Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games, and occasionally video games. My name's Troy, I'm the host, my pronouns are he, him, and joining me from the depths of the earth... My name's Ed, I have woken from my 14-hour slumber um, to savage these dwarves and have lots of fun. Yes, because today we're talking about... Dwarf Fortress, the video game that has been around for, it's been in development for about 20 years now, and has finally got a release on Steam. Yeah, boy. It's, it's amazing. Dwarf Fortress is amazing, and we'll talk in greater depth about why it's amazing, and what its history is, and uh, why losing is fun. But before we get into that, we have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about what we've done the last week in hobby. Uh, I have had two Dungeons & Dragons games. One was cancelled, and one of them was cut a little short because one of the players was not there, so the other two just kind of did some sparring and some little housekeeping stuff rather than do a full session. Um... And that was one of the Eberron games. And then the other was a Spelljammer Whee! campaign that I am now playing in that got started. Jam them uh, spells. It's going to be... Yeah. Uh, my Warforged Circle of Stars Druid is doing good. Uh, it seems like the plot is going to be a heavily modified Light of Zarsis campaign, which is good because the Light of Zarsis campaign is middling at best. Um, and Star Watcher is here to watch those stars. He wants to see all the weird astronomical stuff that, uh, most D&D campaigns probably don't cover. But they should now. Uh, I've also played a lot of Dwarf Fortress, but we'll talk about that once we're into the Dwarf Fortress section of the podcast. Oh boy, hey, how will we? What's your weekend hobby been? Uh, it's not really been much of anything. I've been working out of town and a lot of 12 hour days lately. So, uh, not super conducive to doing anything super hobby related. I should also just clean off my workspace for the new year, which I've not gotten around to. Um, did do a little bit of research on 3d printing stuff. And I had mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had to crank up my exposure time to like 10 seconds to get good prints off of my printer. And it sounds like uh, temperature of the resin is much more important than I had thought. And temp the resin cures best around like 87 degrees Fahrenheit. And when I was trying to print, it was close to freezing. So I may have to do some rather continuous tinkering on my printer uh, as the temperature changes, since I don't really have like a weatherproof enclosure or anything like that for my printer to sit in, um, at least not yet. I would like to eventually get it into the garage, um, but just haven't gotten a space worked out for it yet. So we'll see as the temperature begins to rise, maybe a little bit with the coming of spring if my print quality changes, and that might just be a variable that I have to keep in mind when I'm doing my printing. Um, 
else. I did also spell jammer with my amoeba samurai. Uh, they're going to consume the enemies of the universe and try to become one with it. Um, yeah, I'm in the same game as you are. So we were, we were both there. We saw what happened. And when, when I can manage it playing. <laughs> yep. Yep. A game featuring a warforged druid, a plasmoid yep. samurai, and a thriving We're getting space bard. up in here. We're the weird party. We're from space. So yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I do eventually want to get back to doing like proper hobby stuff, but it's just hasn't been viable at the moment. Yeah, that was my week. Yeah. So, proper with the weekend hobby covered. Let's get dwarfed. Let's get into dwarf fortress. So, dwarf fortress is a game in which you control a number of dwarves who go to build a fortress. It does what it says on the tin. It is developed by Newly two guys, <laughs> Tarn Adams and Zach Adams. Tarn Adams started working at Newly Minted Millionaires. Yes, uh, the, the official release has gone well, but we'll talk about that in a bit. They first Tarn Adams first started working on the game in 2002. Oh, boy. With the estimation that the project would take about <laughs> two months. This was not a good estimation. Uh... Since then, he has, the game has, you know, developed and developed, and he has spent a lot of time working on it. Uh, originally, it was um, funded by donations through PayPal and then later Patreon. Uh, he released the game initially in 2006, and it got kind of a cultish internet following. It was originally just a single level game where you kind of went sideways into a mountainside and then built your fortress behind that. Um, in around 2008, they introduced a Z-axis, allowing you to build up and down, uh, which made the game vastly more complicated. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just continually... It, the development of the game has been a series of iterations and adding more and more and more stuff. Uh, up until 2019, when they announced they would be... The game was also free. Like, you, you could donate to keep them going. And they, the two brothers working on it, essentially made enough money to live on off of donations. Um... And, in fact, in 2011, they turned down a job offer from an unspecified major game developer and a $300,000 deal, hmm. deal to license Dwarf Fortress to a company. Um, no. They, they turned that down and said, you know, they'd prefer to keep working on it themselves and, you know, never advertise. EA presents Dwarf Fortress. Make the game for people who wanted to play the game. This lasted until much. Oh god! No. Microtransactions. Buy another set of picks for one ninety nine. Uh, level up your. 
Level up your militia to legendary axe dwarves. Ten dollars. Um, God, no. Uh, in 2019, they announced a deal to create a essentially paid-for version of the game uh, through Steam and Itch.io, published by Kit Fox Games. The, effectively, what they announced with this was that... An admirable goal. They needed healthcare. Um, and that the... Yeah, they essentially said... They had looked at the donations, and while that was enough to sustain them and keep them going and building the game, um, the, it didn't afford them enough to pay for healthcare. They, they couldn't get insu uh, decent insurance and healthcare just based off donations, and that actually selling a version of the game would financially stabilize them. And everyone in on the internet went, that makes a lot of sense. So they created a Steam version of the game with, you know, addition, uh, support for Steam Workshop so that the mods that people had built for the game over the years would be viable. And uh, this only took about three years for them to go from the announcement to getting the release done, which for those two guys is an amazing amount of progress. They're, this is a game that has been in development for more than 20 years now. Um, the game normally was done using ASCII graphics. Uh, it, the dwarves, for example, were represented with a smiley face. Uh, grass was represented with a period. Uh, walls were represented with a box. Stuff like that. Which meant that for a lot of people, when you first started playing, that was my you would experience. stare at the screen and have no idea what was going on. Because it would just be a mess of... It would be a mess of symbols. It would be like looking at the code in the Matrix. And you would have to spend a decent amount of time figuring out what all the symbols were, working your way through the kind of not great interface, which was entirely keyboard-based, did not use a mouse at all, to figure out what was going on and sort of learn to understand it. But after sufficient amount of time... It was possible to, like, look at this ASCII thing and immediately say, oh no, the goblins are attacking my dwarves. And try to, like, figure out how to draw them into the traps that you've set up. The current release uses a tile set, which there were some mods that created tile sets previously. Uh, the current release uses a quite nice looking one that, while it's sort of sprite-based, does give you actual graphics that you can look at and see, yes, this is a dwarf, this is this particular dwarf, these are goblins, they're wearing <laughs> clothing, these are goblins that are naked for some reason, um, these are the various animals, this is the legendary forgotten beast. Yeah, I got Ocad webbed pretty hard. Beware his webs. Um, and, yeah, webbed forgotten uh. beasts are the worst. Uh, they're, they're the most dangerous, by far. Um, the version that was released in December of 2022, uh, basically, people who had been waiting 20 years to play the game for free were willing to pay $30 to play it. And, um, yeah, it... It made the two guys millionaires instantly. They sold 160,000 units within the first day. <laughs> um, it was a best-selling Steam title on the release day. 
And since then, I think they've sold roughly Something like that. half a million copies at $30 a pop. Uh, making, yeah, massively expanding the game, bringing in a huge new wave of people to play it and learn that losing is fun, and just generally being a good time for everybody. Uh, the game is currently on uh, version, mm-hmm. like, 0.50.something. Um, after 20 years of development, meaning that it is still in the pre-release. And, and of course, they have a list of features that the game needs before the official version 1.0. <laughs> and the version oh, number boy. is the percentage progress of completion. Um, meaning that we are approximately Woo! 20 years away from a finished version of the game. Although, because they have hired a third person onto the team, that num that like it, that. Might so you're saying years. by the time I retire, um, we might have a full version of Dwarf Fortress. Got it. So, yes, um, there are some things to note about this, given that the current version of Dwarf Fortress is Turing complete. It's unclear whether the full version of Dwarf Fortress would be able to simulate entire universes in great enough detail that you run oh, into no. some questions My about, dwarves you know, are actually alive. And do those dwarves actually have sentience inside the computer? I think there actually was... Yeah, I think I feel like that's a dangerous problem. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, for people who don't know, a Turing complete... Oh, there actually was a, a game uh, back in the early 2000s that You're dealt first, with uh, a similar theme called uh, Darwinia, where... A programmer makes a computer program and they find out that the uh, pieces of the program have become sentient and have started a primitive little society. And it's kind of it's kind of like an RTS, kind of like a God game. But you basically have to uh, protect these little primitive sprite people from a uh, computer virus that has infiltrated the program, you know, for nefarious purposes. But it's a similar idea. Yeah, it's an idea that's been popularized in science fiction over many, many years. Um, what if computer games gain sentience? Um, but So it's something to th- worry about, I guess, with Dwarf Fortress in 20 years. Um, the game, as I mentioned, is Turing Complete. And if you're not aware, that means that essentially you can build a functioning computer inside the game using game systems, which means you can theoretically like play the game inside the game if you built sufficient yes minecraft is also turing complete there are a few different games that are um and speaking of minecraft dwarf fortress has influenced a lot of other games you know because it's been around for 20 years and has been constantly iterated over that time minecraft is one of them uh, the sort of low graphics resolution and ability to dig and crafting mechanics of Minecraft were all somewhat um, drawn or inspired a little by Dwarf Fortress. Uh, other games that are like directly have cited Dwarf Fortress as an influence directly are Terraria, Caves of Quid, Prison Architect, and Project Zomboid. Uh, also, everyone kind of knows that RimWorld is sci-fi 
Minecraft, uh, sorry, Sci-Fi Dwarf Fortress, even if they haven't, like, directly said that they borrowed the concepts from Dwarf Fortress, it's Dwarf Fortress in space. With stronger initial visuals and more direct control of characters. Um, the game has, you know, shown up in academic papers, including studies on artificial intelligence, computer game landscapes, computer game pedagogy, other things like that. Um, it's shown up in a Museum of Modern Art exhibit on uh, video games as art, because it really is, I, I have to say. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an impressive game and it is impressive. Not, I, we've talked a lot about the history so far. So now I think we got to talk about what makes it interesting. Um, so you initially take control of a group of seven dwarves sent out to build a fortress. These dwarves have a different, have each have different sets of skills that you can kind of, that you can pick if you do the advanced mode or that are pre-generated if you do the, like, just let's go mode. Um, and they have different personalities, different ideals, different uh, physical traits. And when I say physical traits, I mean, like, the level of detail of the dwarves is incredible. Uh, the system simulates things like the nervous system, the tendons, the muscles, the bones, the skin, uh, hair, you know, because some dwarves have beards, most dwarves have beards, um, and various other things to create a incredibly detailed back-end description of what this dwarf is like, and when they get into a fight, how they get injured, and how that injury heals or doesn't heal. Um, and the same thing is true for all sorts of parts of the game. You have to purchase items to get started, and these can include various animals, which are also incredibly detailed in their back end, or various items like uh, mining picks or axes or mechanisms to create machinery or doors or beds or logs. And logs come in a million different types, one for each type of tree in the game. And when you dig out the earth, it creates blocks of rock, which are different for the different types of rock in the game, which I think there's 60, 70 different types of rock. Uh, these can then be, depending on if it's their ores or not, they can be smelted to create metal bars, of which there's a bunch of different types in the game. Uh, if you want to make copper, for example, you just have to smelt some bars that are have copper ore in them. Or you have to smelt some ores that have copper in them. If you want to make iron, same deal. If you want to make steel, you have to use coal or coke plus iron ingots that you've already made and then generate steel. There's a whole system of processes built into the game that, you know, move around in different ways to try and give you the option of an incredible amount of depth for what you're doing. And this is true of not just the mining and the production of metal, but also the production of, say, clothing. If you want to make clothing, first you have to make a workshop for the clothing. And then you have to make a workshop to get the thread that you're going to use in the clothing to make the actual cloth. And then you have to make a workshop to process the plants to make the uh, material that is used in the thread. Or to shear the animals to make the material that's used in the thread. 
So there's like, and then of course you have to have the animals and have them pastured and taken care of and available. You're building to an entire complex to society from scratch to make thread, to make cloth, to make clothing. Yes, essentially from a caravan of seven people and a wagon, you have to dig underground and create a massive society with every form of industry that you can think of in order to, um, well, the the question of in order to what is is kind of a thing, because there is no end game to the game. There's no specific goal that you're trying to reach unless you set one yourself. Uh, you can dig deep into the earth and try and gather all the resources there. You can build a giant army and march out to fight the other civilizations in the world. You can attempt to simply build a giant golden statue of a dwarf or of something. I've seen a giant golden lizard statue done at least once. Um, you can create a deadly maze so that when enemies show up to your fortress, they are killed without even reaching your dwarves. Uh, you can design a system that pumps lava up into the world so that you can flood everything with magma. You can uh, you can create giant fountains of magma or lava or water or horse viscera. It's entirely up to you as to what you want to do. But I would keep in mind that when you first start playing this, the first five to ten it's fortresses, everywhere. you are going to lose. Your dwarves will starve to death or run out of alcohol and fight each other or a siege will show up and the goblins will run into your through the open doors of your fortress and murder everyone. Or you'll delve into the caverns and a forgotten beast will come out from underground and web everyone and then kill them. Or you'll accidentally dig into a water into a thing of water that you didn't expect to be there and it will flood your entire fortress drowning everyone or you'll try to do the same thing but it's magma (laughs) and oh boy all the dwarves will catch on fire and die um or you'll do really well and build a massive spectacular fortress with hundreds of dwarves and then a dragon will show up and everything you prepared to fight the dragon will fail because the dragon's fire is hotter than magma. My countryside, and will no! Burn in your countryside. Um. Yes. Uh, essentially, I would say Dwarf Fortress is great because it's a game that you make your own fun, and losing is fun. And it yep. it's really good for creating emergent stories, and has been designed with that in mind. Uh, there's some excellent YouTube videos of talks given by the developers on Dwarf Fortress and the sto- systems that they've built into it and why they are like the way they are. Um, dwarves can, for example, write books. The names of the books are basically a sort of fill-in-the-blank on different topics. Um, and they can be written well or poorly, depending on the dwarves' skills and knowledge. And they add value to your fortress. Uh, <laughs> don't let necromancers show up and write books, because that just creates more necromancers. Did I mention that there's necromancers? Uh, you can have dwarves or other people who show up and raise the dead. Uh, which sometimes can be used to create intelligent nice. undead, who are basically undead superheroes. But oh, most God. of the time it creates zombies, and those are not helpful. Sometimes it's ghouls, which are, again, 
not helpful. Uh, yeah. Oh, and of course, your dwarves can also create crafts of incredible value and interest called artifacts, which can range from um, a piece of leather that menaces with spikes of bone to a amazingly carved door to a like silver battle axe that's been finely engraved with images of all the gods and all the dwarves in your fortress. It It's entirely random and... Well, I say entirely random. It's entirely emergent as it is based on what that dwarf is good at, what items are available to them, and what the history of your fortress has been to this point. Um, so if your fortress has been engaged in constant wars against goblins, the item will probably have an image of a dwarf fighting a goblin. <laughs> the dwarf is laughing. The goblin looks scared. Um, if your fortress has not had any goblins and instead has just been nice and peaceful, it'll probably be something about, like, dwarves mining or a, an image of cheese. Uh, always, always good times. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's kind of that's the concept of the game. So now I think we have to talk about stories of the game. And before we talk about our own, I want to talk about one of the most famous ones, which is Boat Murdered. Boat Murdered was a um, saga of fans from the Something Awful forums passing around a single fortress that each person would play a year on and then save the game and then pass it to the next person. Uh, this was done in 2006. This was back in the day when there were no Z-levels, so it was just a single-level game where you dig into the side of a mountain. So if you look up and read the Boat Murdered Saga and see the images that are attached to it, it'll look very, very different from the way the game is currently, and some of the mechanics will play out a little different as well. Um... It's an amazing style of storytelling, of emergent storytelling, as the game is besieged by various forces, the elephants outside are bloodthirsty and slaughter any who oppose them, the dwarves <laughs> inside go mad and carve their madness into the walls, they build massive projects, including, as I mentioned, a giant lizard statue made out of gold bars, um... They create a system to flood the world with magma because anyone who tries to invade them gets magma dumped out. It's an incredible story, and it's so bizarre. It's worth I'm finding currently working my way through it. It's like 400 pages. There's a lot. Um, it's long. It's long because it is an epic saga of dwarves. Um, but yeah, there are other stories about the fortresses. That one is, I think, probably the greatest saga. Um, in part, the fact that it was switched between different people, so there's different writing styles and different things that are happening, kind of give it an extra kick. Um, yeah. I, I very much enjoyed it. That was my first exposure to the game in, like, 2008, 2009. I read the saga of Boat Murdered and then downloaded the free version of Dwarf Fortress and started playing that. So I've been playing it for about 15 years now. 
on and off, I would say, because I can go several years without playing it and then I'll download it again and have like several months of losing his fun and uh, learning the Dwarf Fortress moveset all over again. Uh, the Steam release has been great. The improved graphics, the use of mouse key, mouse and keys now. Um, it's taken some relearning to, you know, sort of figure out how things work and all the new features that have been added. But it's it's definitely a serious improvement. So let's talk about some of our fortresses. Well, my current fortress, uh, what are some things of your were going well. Fortresses? And I was beginning to worry about overpopulation because I had over 100 dwarves and various humans and elves that had come by and uh, decided, well, I should begin expanding everything to make sure that I can feed and house all these individuals. And then I had a forgotten beast with webs and made of coral show up out of the woods. Uh, I set my dwarves up to the entrance to hopefully try and stop it. It bashed in the door, ate my army, and then proceeded to rampage its way through my fortress until uh, somebody was able to punch it enough that it became blinded and lost its ability to stand. And then the remaining 30-odd dwarves of my fortress uh, punched it to death. So... The fortress is technically still here. I'm trying to rebuild. Things are going very slowly. Um, I'm trying to build a golden hall of heroes uh, for all the corpses of the dwarves that died fighting this thing uh, because they're currently haunting the shit out of my dwarf fortress because there aren't enough coffins. But it's it's getting there. There is like a weird bug with one of the with the sprites where they will put the bones in the sarcophagus, but then the bones are the sprite that gets layered on top. So about half of these uh, sarcophagi just look like bones sitting on the ground. I don't know if there's a way to rearrange that, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a weird, if it's something yeah, with like me bug. having the tomb like designated before the sarcophagus gets put in place or if... I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a weird bug. Uh, let's see what else. I had another one that was going pretty well. This was like the maybe second or third fortress that I had made. Things were going well, and then a goblin seed showed up, and they just kind of stood around outside for like years, just doing nothing. And I'm like, okay, um, you guys have fun. I'm gonna keep doing my thing. But it turns out that it, uh, at some point when I was digging a tunnel, uh, there had been a small channel dug into the wall and the goblins found their way in and I was off in the depths doing something else. And then I got a little notification of the skull and crossbones to say that somebody had died. And it was just this massive list. And I was like, what is going on? And so I scrolled all the way back up to the top and uh, the main floor of my fortress was just an absolute bloodbath. And I was like, well... I think this fortress is a bust. Those are probably the mo the two most memorable events that I've had so far. I also I also did uh, I had one where I was trying to make a cistern with water because people kept uh, dying of thirst. So I built a cistern and I was like, it's 
down far enough. There's no way that this is going to like flood and the water pressure come up through the well. And eventually it, it did fill up and my fortress started flooding through the well. And it's like, yep, uh, abandoned ship. No way I'm saving this one. So I have learned since then floodgates are good. Yes, floodgates are very important when it comes to controlling any form of liquid, be it water or magma. Uh, if you are trying to use floodgates on magma, make sure they are made of a magma-safe material. Uh, you can find lists online for that, but typically it's a variety mm, of stones mushrooms. and nether cap wood, if you can find nether cap wood. Um, nether cap wood is magical and always cold. So it is magma safe, but cannot be used for minecarts. Do not make minecarts out That's of nethercap wood and then try to put lava in them as they burn. Which is a very expensive mistake to make if you start the game by buying and bringing a bunch of nethercap wood with you in order to try and make minecarts out of them so that you can move magma around. Yes. Yes. Um, that uh, That happened in one of my fortresses. Where I was attempting to... I had built a very strong, very stable fortress. Uh, and I was looking to start getting some um, magma forging going. Because you can use magma to power your metalsmithing uh, and forging production facilities. Which is great because then it doesn't require fuel. Because uh, magma is better than fuel. You, you, you use the lava to heat things up rather than having to burn vast amounts of wood, which is not great when, you know, there's a limited amount of wood on the map, and also you You're need dwarves. to use Why that wood you to make on rocks? Like beds. Um, also, the elves get mad if you burn too much wood, and you don't want to deal with an elven siege. Well, uh, wood is the only material beds can be made out of, and... Beds are one of the key elements of your fortress because you'll need at least one bed per dwarf. Well, uh, one bed-ish per dwarf. Some of them share beds, you know, if, they, if they're if they married. Um, but it's also you need that to make uh, pot ash in order to fertilize your fields. Um, and it's important if you're trying to make uh, coke so that you can create steel with iron and you don't have a source of coal on your map. Um, wood is also, can also be important if you're trying to do certain crafts, because certain instruments require components made out of wood. Um, and I believe there's some other things that, like, wood is an option, or is one of the better options. Wood is probably the initial good option for making things like barrels and bins, uh, until you get a metalworking facility up that can create metal bins and metal barrels, which are worth more money, generally. Um... So, yeah, I, I just, I've had, my fortress did that. I built this massive fortress. I built a whole system. And then I went down to gather some magma in bins or in uh, mine carts so that I could transport it back up and dump it into a certain area so that I'd have pits full of magma that I could run my, fort my industries off of. And it didn't work. Um, the, the minecarts were instantly destroyed by the magma. They just vaporized. 
So I had to build metal minecarts and then drag those up, and it was a whole extra series of processes. And then it just didn't work. I couldn't get the settings right on the minecart system in order to dump the magma where I wanted it. Um, minecarts are tricky. I don't think I've mastered them yet. I'm going to have to do more exploration with those at some point. Um, but that fortress, uh, eventually I started expanding and expanding and trying to mine out an entire Z-level just to see if I could. Um, Fine. Which worked okay right up until a Forgotten Beast smashed through the doors down in the cavern level, swarmed up through the stairs, and murdered everyone who was working in the mining out an entire Z-level project, and then just haunted the rest of my fortress up to the, through the upper levels, <laughs> um, eventually killing the last of my dwarves, who were laying in the hospital, <laughs> dying of their injuries that had been caused by this uh, terrifying monster. Um, I also attempted to flood the uh, fortress to stave off the monster, but it didn't work. Uh, so yeah, that one was fully Whoops. destroyed, and uh, I got the, like, you lose screen, which was great. I've never gotten that before. I've gotten to the point where I abandoned the fortress or let it fall to ruin, Um because I feel like I can't go on, like I've run out of food and it's freezing outside and I can't dig through the snow and ice down to get fresh water. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that that's happened. Um, I also had one that I lost after only five minutes of gameplay because I embarked onto a hostile zone with a like terrifying biome. And as I started to dig down to build a safe underground lair, my entire for my entire crew of dwarves were killed by giant buzzards. <laughs> they nice. just swooped down and murdered everyone, and that was it. I, I I watched the like alerts come in and the like counter of how many people are in your fortress just tick 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 done. It was kind of amazing. Um, since then, I have never gone to a fully haunted, like, terrifying biome. Shit's that, haunted. That was such an instant kill. It was such an instant kill that there was nothing I could do. I got like two levels deep on a staircase and then everyone was dead. I didn't even have time to <laughs> build a workshop to make doors and like try and keep them out. Um, before the birds, the birds. Um, That's some classic fun right there. It is. Uh, I've had a lot of fortresses that have died of starvation or lack of drink because i didn't get the farm plot set up uh pro tip with your plump helmets do not allow them to be cooked they should be brewed only because they're the primary way to make dwarven alcohol also set up your brewing your brewery and your uh, farm thing like right next to each other so that the dwarves don't have to go very far to make alcohol and uh yeah that that's important uh in my current fortress i need to like keep an eye on that i think because i have way more alcohol than i'm ever gonna uh, i have several years worth of alcohol stockpiled and i maybe don't need to have the dwarves making as much and i could maybe shift them to other industries but i need to get better at sorting out where my labor goes um there are a lot of things you can do to set what dwarf is doing what tasks and the problem is when you've got 80 dwarves it becomes hard to remember that you've got enough dwarves doing particular tasks or 
that this dwarf is really good at this thing. So, uh, this is true. yeah, that, that's kind of an issue. When you've got like 30 dwarves, it's great. But when you've got 80, you can get a lot more shit done. But also, you start to run into issues with like, which dwarf is doing this? Wait, wait, where is this dwarf's bedroom? Is it on the upper levels or down deep in the caverns where I'm trying to build this magma forge zone? Um, they can we'll be never tricky. know. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, anything else you want to say about Dwarf Fortress? Because I think I'm running out of things to talk about for it. I like, uh, like you had mentioned earlier, that it's a, uh, emergent story generator. That seems to be the type of game that I'm attracted to most. Probably just because I'm somebody who likes to build stuff, and I would rather sit and build something rather than necessarily be walked through a story so the types of games that i tend to play are going to be like dwarf fortress civilization hearts of iron crusader kings XCOM, stuff like that so this fits uh, very firmly into the genre of games that i like and will consume my existence if i uh, if i don't moderate myself So yeah, Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, I highly recommend it if you enjoy the sort of colony builder games. Um, I do not recommend it if you love. I think graphics are the most important part of a game. Um, I do not recommend it fun. if you're an elf and are worried about. Yeah, I don't recommend it if you hate fun. Um, it is complicated. You will need to look at help menus and tutorials. You will want to like look stuff up if you've never played it before because yep. the systems are insane and detailed and nested within each other to multiple layers. Um, just figuring out how to get your military to work is a little nuts. Um, it's but tricky. I think it's worthwhile. So we have a segment on this podcast called Board Game Corner. And today, Ed is going to tell us about a game that thematically matches up with Dwarf Fortress. Oh boy. Uh, do you want to delve too deep and unleash the horrors of beyond? Then you should probably check out Dice Miner from Atlas Games. Uh, this one originally came out on Kickstarter uh, a couple years ago. Early, early 2020-ish, something like that. And it's entirely based on dice, as is the name Dice Miner. You have a little uh, plastic or cardboard mountain, depending on which version you get. And you pour dice into this mountain, and each player goes around taking turns, uh, removing a dice from the top of the mountain. And you have, like, tunnel dice, gem dice, magic dice, tool dice, uh, hazards, and I, th I think I missed one, but... Oh, well. And depending on the dice that you have and the quantities that you have, they score differently. So tunnels, you have to make a straight starting with one and then, you know, you add those up and that's your score. Uh, gems, you score what's on the face of the die and whoever has the most gets doubles. Uh, magic will let you re-roll die, uh, dice, plural. Um, hazards are negatives unless you have a tool that will counteract that and will turn it positive. So my character that I used for our game was the prospector who automatically starts with 
the pickaxes will turn anything that's a rock fall into a positive. And then there's also a beer face, which most of the dice have that you can roll it, give it to somebody else. And instead of taking one die off the top of the mountain, you can take two dice from either the top or the sides to kind of help boost, uh, boost your score in exchange for potentially helping another player uh, very slightly. And then the kicker is that after every round, when you've scored everything, you take all the dice you have, unless you uh, rolled some treasure chests to store them in, and you re-roll them. So that is what you're starting on as your, uh, your score for the next round. It adds an interesting uh, variability of needing to potentially change up your strategy mid-game. Uh, for example, the Prospector character, you're going to want to take a lot of rock falls so that you can get those uh, sweet, sweet points from the hazards. But the hazard dice also includes dragons on it, which the Prospector has no defense against dragons. So when you're uh, re-rolling those hazard dice that you've collected to get the points, uh, they may show up as all dragons next round and you're kind of screwed. So there is a fair amount of strategy in trying to figure out what would be your best option for taking off the top of the mountain uh we played it it seems like it's a lot of fun it's pretty fast i think we probably played a game in under 30 minutes um get the deluxe edition i don't think it's that much more expensive you get a plastic mountain and some nice uh transparent dice to go with it and yeah it's on theme for our dwarf fortressing today Yeah, and uh, I think it was quite good. I think it's comparable somewhat to games like Azul, uh, where the you component manufacturer, the like physical components are a key part of the game, and manipulating them is like part of how you play and is very visually appealing. Um, I feel like the rules maybe could have laid out how many dice are supposed to get poured out uh, slightly better. That seemed to be yeah, that is true. Lacking. Um, we uh, we goofed that up on our first such. round. Yeah, there there could be a little more clarity in some of that, but overall, it's a good game. I recommend it. Play play dice miner, and play dwarf fortress. Woo! Yeah, just all the dwarves all the time. Yeah. And that's our that's show. All I got. As always, thank you for watching. Uh, Support your local game store. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, do more dwarf things. Um, delve too deep and awaken the demons that lay below the magma. Um, do the things Ed's about to tell you to do. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Adam Adness. I may post stuff there. I have no idea. I'm not really doing much hobby stuff. Uh, lately, although maybe I'll post some of the weird Dwarf Fortress things that I find, and you can see weird, blurry cell phone footage from Dwarf Fortress. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah, Other than go Knowles, go Knowles. <laughs>